This is Carrie D. Welcome to the Coffee with Carrie Homeschool Podcast. Join me every Thursday for some much needed encouragement, coffee, and conversation. It's my prayer this podcast will help you homeschool one step at a time, one day at a time, and one cup of coffee at a time. Hey, if you're blessed each week by our podcast, Coffee with Carrie, then make sure you check out my book, Just Breathe and Take a Sip of Coffee Homeschool and Step with God. And then share our podcast with some of your homeschooling friends who might need a little encouragement too. You can also find me at Instagram at Coffee with Carrie Consultant or at our website, coffeewithcarrie.org. So stick around, pour yourself a cup of coffee, put your feet up, and take a little coffee break with me. I think, no, I know, you're going to be encouraged. Hey y'all, let's talk game schooling today. Yeah, that's right, it's a thing. Game schooling. I get so many questions about how to make learning more fun and how to incorporate more games in our homeschooling that I thought I would devote an episode to talking about one of my favorite things, games and playing games. Now, including games into your homeschooling should be fun. I mean, games are created to be fun, right? So don't stress over what to play or when to fit it in or how to include more games. The ultimate goal of using games and playing games is to have fun. The extra bonus is everyone's learning something in the process. Now, game schooling gives you a reprieve from the boring, the tedious, and the mundane, which usually comes during the January and February months. You can make it complicated like some games can be with their pages and pages of instructions and tons of pieces and lots of time for setup. But really, incorporating games into your learning can and should be as easy and fun as playing I Spy on a Walk or playing Battle with a simple deck of cards. Trust me, it really can be that easy, that natural, and that fun. Now, I had a ton of fun being interviewed by Krista Savota on Seek Holy Living podcast for her episode entitled Learning Through Games. Now, if you haven't listened to that episode, head on over to Seek Holy Living podcast with Krista Savota and listen to it. It's a really great place to start. And also, in season one of Coffee with Carrie, I also did a series called The Ten Essentials to Homeschooling. I'd love for you to take a listen to episode number six which is on the sixth essential of homeschooling, playtime and free time. In that episode, I also touch on the importance of making time for play and fun and games, even for your teens and even for you, Mama. So in this episode, I wanted to expound on some of the things that we touched on in that interview with Krista at Seacoli Living, including why you should incorporate more games into your schooling, and easy ways to include more games into your lessons. And then I want to share with you even more on how to use games to teach and reinforce concepts, how to get started, and then finish up this episode with some of my favorite resources and games. Okay, so why should you incorporate more games into your homeschooling? Well, duh. 
it's fun. I mean, game schooling is straight up a super way to learn, and you can use games to learn just about anything. And having fun with your kids, why that's important. It isn't a side note, and it's not just a bonus. I mean, why homeschool your kids if you're going to be all work and no play? And why educate them at home if all you're going to do is fill your days with public school type learning? Trying to model your homeschool after the traditional classroom is actually a waste of this precious time you have with your children. It's a waste of the wonderful freedom and flexibility that comes with homeschooling. Now, do you have to be the fun mom or make every lesson super fun? No. That, my friends, can be exhausting, especially if that isn't your personality or your learning style. But we do need to stop thinking of playing games and having fun as a non-essential. Because folks, laughter, fun, and memory making with our kids, that is essential. But there are other scientific reasons to include more games in your lessons. Now, the child development expert Jean Piaget described play as the work of childhood. And Mr. Rogers himself once said that play is often talked about as if it were a relief from serious learning. But for children, playing is serious learning. I mean, children are created to play and to learn through play. That's how God made us. Adults learn through games, too. I mean, why do you think Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune are some of the longest running game shows on TV? Humans are created to learn. And when learning is in the form of a game, well, it's even more fun and more effective. Research studies have also shown that when someone plays a game, they learn new concepts faster and it helps them retain and remember new information longer. Research shows that it takes approximately 400 repetitions to create a new synapse in the brain, unless it's done with play. In that case, it only takes 10 to 20 repetitions. So you see, children learn faster when learning through games and play. If this is the case and people learn quicker by playing games, then game schooling is a time saver too. You will spend less time teaching a concept and less time reviewing a concept when you teach it or you review it with a game. It's also a sanity saver, and I'm going to talk more about that in a minute. But my all-time favorite reasons to incorporate game schooling in your homeschooling is because it builds relationships and creates lifetime memories. There's something about playing Scrabble on a winter's night, or Sushi Go with a bunch of teens, or a Ticket to Ride with your kids, or Uno with your preschooler for the hundredth time. The inside jokes abound, and the laughter can melt away any hard heart or conflicts that may have filled up your lessons just a few minutes ago. It's also great to see that child, you know, the one who struggles day in and day out with all the academic work, to win again and again in games like chess or Monopoly. When playing games, that child is no longer at a disadvantage. It might be the one area that he or she really excels. It builds self-esteem and confidence in areas that maybe workbooks and worksheets may have built up a lot of resistance or a lot of feelings of failure. So playing games is scientifically proven to not be a waste of time. And our family's personal experience has shown it 
that it's well worth the effort and way more fun to boot. So hopefully I convinced you that game schooling is not a waste of time, but that it is actually scientifically proven to be a great form of learning and that it has its advantages beyond learning the academics. So then now let's talk about how to incorporate game schooling into your homeschooling. I don't want to stress you out or make you feel like you have to add yet another thing to your already busy school day. So let's look at different ways that you can incorporate more games in a way that fits your family's daily rhythm, that fit your comfort level and your children's needs, and of course, your school budget and pocketbook. Now, the first and simplest way to use game schooling is to just play some games for fun. Whenever you have a family game night or friends come over or maybe during a family celebration, bring out the games. This is a great way to introduce a few new games to your kids and to ease into game schooling, especially if you're still a bit uneasy or unsure about using games as a way to teach. Then, maybe once your kids get hooked on some of the games you play just for fun, you can slowly begin introducing them into your actual school time. Now, a second and super easy way to incorporate more games into your homeschooling is to make it part of your morning time or your morning basket time. Each day, include a game in your morning time basket. So if you're studying a particular artist or a particular art form, well then play an art game like Van Gogh and Friends Art Card Game or the Grand Museum of Art, which is like Clue, but it's based in a museum of art or doodle dice game, or maybe even Pictionary. Let's say you're studying medieval history as a family. Well, then play a history game during your morning time, like Medieval Alliance, which is one of our family's favorites, or Professor Noggin's Medieval History Cards, or Dragonwood, which is a fantasy game, or Cathedral, which is a building strategy game, or even Chess, which is modeled after the feudal system during the Middle Ages. Maybe there is a subject or a topic you never get to, but you want to. Well, then get a few games that teach that specific subject or those concepts and play those games during your morning time basket. During your morning time, you can play games just for fun, like Tenzies or Phase 10, or you can play math games, science games, geography games, history games, vocabulary and spelling games. Heck, there's even a few music theory games like Lord of the Chords. And try not to feel guilty. Remember that when you play Mad Libs, it might be silly, but it also reinforces parts of speech. Keep in mind when you play traditional games like Monopoly, kids are practicing math and money skills too. When you play classic games like Parcheesi or Sorry, they're adding numbers every time they roll the dice. And when you play traditional games like Clue or 20 Questions, your kids are using critical thinking and problem-solving skills. When your kids play any kind of game that has points, like Yahtzee or Farkle or Sushi Go, they're practicing their computation skills as they add up their total points. When you consider strategy games like Clue and Chess, Guess Who, Set, Mastermind, Corkle, and Blocus as developing critical thinking skills and just-for-fun games like that require scoring to determine a winner like Tacos versus Burritos, which is super hilarious, Farkle, Sushi Go Again, or Tenzies, Yahtzees, or even Exploding Kittens. Those are stealthy ways to practice computation 
Literally every time you play, you're practicing some kind of important skill. Now, when you play battle, especially different versions of it, you're also reinforcing number sense, place value, ordering and comparing numbers for little ones, addition, subtraction, multiplication, and fractions for middle schoolers, you know, depending on the version of battle you play, and even order of operations and positive and negative numbers for those high schoolers. Now, if you need more ideas on how to use a simple deck of cards and a handful of dice to review math computation skills and fractional, decimal, and integer number sense, make sure you check out my Coffee with Carrie Consultant Instagram TV or my IGTV. I have a series called Math Games. I think you and your family are really going to love the dozen or so games that I have there. They're simple and easy to learn and play. And the best part is, you can play most of them with the entire family with just a few modifications for either the younger ones or the older students. Now, if you don't do morning time, or your morning basket is already full of activities you want to do, then just pull out a game at lunchtime. As you eat lunch, playing a guessing game or charades or a card game or a short science game like Into the Woods is a perfect time to play. My favorite way, though, to incorporate more games into our homeschooling was to use them as a replacement or a supplement to what we were already doing. Okay, so let me explain. Sometimes we would hit a brick wall, like with fractions and decimals. So we would do a 20-minute lesson on fractions, either in the workbook or on the whiteboard. And then after the 20 minutes, whether we were finished the lesson or the workbook page or not, we would put it away and then we would play a fraction or decimal game. If it was a quick game, we would play it several times. And then we'd take a break for about 20 minutes before we moved on to the next activity. Now, for many years, we didn't use a formal science history or writing program. Instead of buying expensive box curriculum, I used that money instead to buy two or three new games each year. For example, if we were studying astronomy one year in science, I didn't buy a formal astronomy curriculum. Instead, I bought the games Spaceopoly, Professor Noggin's Space Game, and Planet and Constellation Bingos. Instead of using a formal curriculum that year, We just played space-related games all the time. We read space-related books during our read-aloud time, and we went on tons of space-related field trips. The years my kids were doing chemistry, okay, it was a little brutal, I'm not going to lie. So once a week or after they finished a particularly hard or confusing lesson, we would play a chemistry game. Some of our favorites were Elemento, which is like Monopoly, but with the periodic table, and the super simple card game called Valence, and there's another one called Ions, which reinforce chemical equations and bonds. So yes, you can even find fun games for teens in chemistry. So you can use games to replace your formal lessons and curriculum. It's amazing what you and your children can learn from playing a few really great educational games. Then, when you modify classic games like Mad Libs or Charades, Pictionary, or even Headbands to the topic you're studying, it gets even better and easier too. So, let's get back to astronomy. Let's just say you're studying astronomy this year. You get the space-themed Mad Lib book 
and then you play a few games of Pictionary and Charades where the things you need to act out or draw are planets and different stars and maybe astronauts. Then get the classic game Headbands from Target. It's always on sale. And then you make your own cards to replace the ones that come in the box that go on each person's headband. Again, if you're learning about astronomy and space that year, use the index cards that you make that say things like Jupiter, meteors, comets, space shuttle, and moon landing. And then you walk around the house trying to guess what each person has on their headband. And you can use games to just supplement your lessons. In math, you can play a game instead of a lesson one day, or you can do a short lesson like I said before, and then play a math game. There were years my kids were so busy, we didn't really have time to do any formal geography, art, or vocabulary lessons. So I slipped in some really great geography games like 10 Days in Europe, Ticket to Ride, and Scrambled States of America into our morning time. And then I would nonchalantly pull out a game of Art Lotto or Renaissance Artist Go Fish game at lunchtime. And for fun, I would take out Blurt, Boggle, Scrabble, and Bananagrams when the kids were restless or they were looking for something to do. Not only is using games to supplement or even replace some of your formal lessons fun, but it's a great time saver and sanity saver too. I mean, moms, you get more done when you play a game. It's a great way to learn as a family. And most games can be played with everyone from the youngest to the teens. The youngest can team up with you or the oldest, or the youngest can be the banker or the scorekeeper. And then the older kids can answer harder questions, while the younger students can ask for help or get easier questions. Time goes by faster when you play a multiplication game instead of drilling multiplication facts, and you learn more in the same amount of time. My kids never melted into a times table tantrum when I pulled out a deck of cards or a jar of dice and said, hey, let's play battle. And because everyone was laughing and having fun instead of crying and getting frustrated, games helped keep me sane too. Now, the most radical approach to game schooling is to do game schooling as your only form of homeschooling. Sure, you might have a few colorful workbooks here and there, and you'll probably read a ton and go on some great field trips. But if game schooling is your main form of learning, then you're playing games every day for just about every subject. Now, I know it sounds a little crazy, but there are that many awesome games out there. One Sabbath year, we took the radical approach to game schooling. We read, we played games, we created, and we went on field trips. And boy, was that year fun. Okay, so hopefully I convinced you that game schooling is a great way to learn, a great way to teach, to save money, a great way to save time, to make memories, a great way to bond, and a great way to have fun. So how do you get started and get the most out of your game schooling? Well, it's super easy. You really only need to do three things. Be intentional, be consistent, and get a little creative. First, be intentional. Now, when you're picking out curriculum and planning your course of study for each year or each month, check and see if there's a game or two on the market you can purchase or borrow from the library or from a friend. Then see if you can find some free online games 
and some free or inexpensive downloadable games off the internet. Then look at the games you already have on your shelves and see how you can incorporate them into your daily or weekly lessons. Plan to play games at least once a week or maybe even once a day and make sure you have a few in mind. If you need to, write it on your daily to-do list or your weekly lesson plan. Don't put it off for if we have time because it'll never get done and the game will never get played. Play it first or in place of something that you have to do. Trust me, it won't be a waste of time. Now next, you got to be consistent. Now the best way to be consistent is to put your games in a place where you can see them all the time. You know the expression, out of sight, out of mind, right? So if you have all your games neatly stacked in a closet or in bins under a bed, it will be too much of a hassle to get them out. You will also forget that you wanted to play a certain game if you can't see it, or they're not easy to get to. Or if your kids are melting down due to spelling words, or the day isn't going quite as planned, then having a few games at your fingertips to save the day is just what you need to be consistent. Now, even though it was an eyesore for my husband, we had a games bookshelf. I tried to organize the game shelf in such a way that it was neat and pleasing to the eye to make my husband happy. I made sure every game from large box games to simple card games were visible for me and for my family to see. When I planned on Fridays for next week's lessons, I could see my games bookshelf. I was more consistent about including a few math games or geography games or science games into our weekly lessons if I saw what we had and I could pull them off the shelf as I was planning. Now on those crazy days or rainy days, having all of our games on a shelf where everyone could see them also helped us be spontaneous with our game playing too. I also kept some of our favorite games by our kitchen table, so at any time I could pull out a game to play while we ate lunch. And I also made sure I had a game or two in my morning basket, so at least every couple of days we were playing a game as a family during our morning time. All right, so finally, get creative. No matter what your family is studying or what a child is struggling with, there's a way to turn it into a game. Or at least there's a game out there on the market that you can purchase or you can borrow. Turn those vocabulary words into a memory or concentration game. Turn battle into an addition game. Turn 20 questions into a science game. Use your old Trivial Pursuit board game and create your own categories and trivia questions. Now, I know what you're thinking. How much is this going to cost me and where do I find all of these games? Well, first... Don't buy a new game if you can buy it used at a thrift store or at a garage sale or online through a homeschooling curriculum exchange. If you can, borrow a game from a friend first before you buy it. Just because our family loved the game Dragonwood and 10 Days in Africa doesn't mean your family's going to love it. So exchange games with your friends. I know of a few homeschool co-ops that have a curriculum and games exchange once a year, and some even have a games and curriculum library that their members can borrow from. So see if your homeschool community has something similar to that. If so, take advantage of it. Then, once a year, purchase two to three really good, well-quality games, and preferably games that go with what you're going to be studying that year. 
Some games like Medieval Alliance and Ticket to Ride, well, they can cost up to $30 to $40 a piece. So start small and build up. After a few years, you're going to have quite a collection of games to play. Also consider not getting a formal curriculum one year for grammar or for writing or for math or for history. And instead, use the money you are going to spend on a fancy expensive curriculum to purchase a few good games instead. Don't forget about grandma and friends and family too. When Christmas and birthdays roll around, ask them to give you and your kids a new game. I know my kids always got a few new books and a new game every single Christmas. Hey, my daughter just turned 22 and she got a new game this past Christmas too. Scrabble is Scrabble, even if it's the Harry Potter version. And Clue is still Clue, even if it's the Disney version. I even used some of the conversational starter games that we had and the Would You Rather game cards as story starters for our journal writing. Folks, you really can use anything in your game schooling. Now, we'll be honest, once you get past the classics, the oldie but goodies, and hottest trend games on the market, it is a bit tricky to find quality, fun, educational games worth your time and your money. But I do have a few favorites. First, I love the game companies GameRite, Jax, J-A-X, Talacor, and Mindware. Check out their websites directly because most toy stores don't carry some of their best games. And I have their websites listed in the show notes. Barnes & Noble now has a great game section in their brick and mortar stores, and they now carry some of the lesser known games. So check out Barnes & Noble too. Now I also have a few favorite websites I go to when I'm looking for ideas or obscure topics or types of games. Now, the first one is the Homeschool Game School website. Love it. This website categorizes games by subject and by grade level. Now, another favorite website is the Waldock Way website. She has pages and pages of game suggestions and recommendations by subject and grade. But my all-time favorite games resource is the Games Curriculum created by Martin and Carolyn Forte. Now, if you go to the Games Curriculum website, they have hundreds of games that you can play for each grade level and for every subject. Folks, it's a gold mine. It's called the Games Curriculum. The best part is that Carolyn and Marty Forte also own and operate a homeschool resource center that has an online bookstore so most of the games that they recommend in their games curriculum, you can even order straight from them as well. So again, I'm going to have those websites and resources listed in the podcast show notes. So now all you have to do is get started. So start simple and start with your favorite games. Learning about world wars? Well, then play some Battleship. Are your kids learning about colors? Play Mastermind. Learning about money? play payday. Learning about medieval times? Pull out the chessboard. Learning about some grammar? Then play some Mad Libs. Learning about numbers or addition? Play some dominoes. It really is that simple. Take out what you already have, play it, and have lots and lots of fun. 
Then start working on adding to your collection. Now here's a warning. Game schooling is very addictive. Once you start, you may never go back to regular homeschooling again. Thank you for hanging out with me and for joining me for this little coffee break. If this is your first time joining us, you can find us at our new and improved website, coffeewithcarry.org. We also have daily devotions and homeschooling tips at our Instagram account, Coffee with Carrie Consultant. Don't forget to check out my book, Just Breathe and Take a Sip of Coffee, Homeschool and Step with God. If you're new to homeschooling or you're looking for ways to simplify and streamline your homeschooling, this is a perfect book to read. If you heard something you liked, then share our podcast with a friend who might need a little encouragement this week or with a homeschooling friend who's looking for some fresh ideas. And if you haven't already, we would love for you to subscribe to Coffee with Carrie Homeschool Podcast and to take a few minutes to leave a little review. Thank you in advance for listening to us each and every week and for sharing our podcast, book, and homeschool mom ministry with your friends. We're so very honored and grateful. Now, if you want to join us in sunny California this coming March for our annual special weekend for homeschooling moms, check out our website, coffeewithcarrie.org. Early bird registration begins this week. It's our prayer that our website, our homeschooling consulting services, our podcast, and our new book will help you homeschool one step at a time, one day at a time, and one cup of coffee at a time. We're praying for you. Stay healthy. God bless, and have fun playing those games.